So please join me for the prayer for illumination as it's printed in your bulletin and on the wall. Holy God, we come together today acknowledging that sometimes we believe what the world tells us about wanting more. Today we are asking you to change our mindset to be in line with your ways and thoughts. We desire not to worry about the circumstances of tomorrow, but to trust you with the presence of today. In your name, amen. So the scripture reading today is Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 through 34. Serving two masters. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like any of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever sold a house or a car? Oftentimes when you reach the decision to sell, it's because you've become tired of the same old thing, the same old house, the same old car. There was a story of a farmer. This farmer had become discouraged with his farm. As he sat and looked around, all he could see was what needed fixed, what needed changed. So finally he decided it was just too much. And he called the realtor and said he wanted to sell and move somewhere else. The realtor came and looked over the farm and prepared the sales ad. Before listing the farm, she called and read the proposed ad to him. If you agree, she said, we can get this farm on the market and get you moving into something bigger and better. The farmer listened as the realtor read. The ad spoke of a good location A well-maintained house, sturdy barns, lush pastures, a beautiful pond, fertile soil, and a great view. The farmer listened carefully and said, can you read that to me again? Slowly this time. So the realtor read it to him again. And the farmer said, no, I don't want you to print that ad. That's all I've ever wanted. I've changed my mind. I'm not going to sell. How you look at something changes everything. How you look at something dictates your decisions and how you behave. What you pay attention to, what you focus upon in life, 
will gen generally determine the kind of decisions that you make. You know, our brains are amazing things. According to an article released by Cleveland Clinic, your brain is a three-pound universe inside of your head, processing thousands and thousands, 70,000 thoughts each day, using 100 billion neurons that connect at 500 trillion connection points through synapses that travel 300 miles an hour. The signals that travel through these inner connections form the basis for our memories, our thoughts, and our feelings. And our experiences create patterns of activity that explain how our brains code our thoughts, our memories, our skills, and our sense of self. How we think, how we perceive life, how we understand our very selves is framed by what we think. How we think is determined by what we focus on. Our brains are designed to process important information all day long, sorting through all the information we take in, prioritizing what we should focus on. This information processing goes on without us even consciously being aware of it. Only the most important pieces of information reach our conscious mind. Our brains use our own thoughts and preoccupations as hints as to what it should deem important. Did you ever buy a car that you thought was a color nobody else had? Mom did this when I was in high school. She bought the coolest teal-colored car. We thought we had never seen one before. And then they were everywhere. All of a sudden, cars of that color were like at every intersection. We're thinking, what, did everybody just go out and buy this color yesterday? No. We were focused on it. We were in love with the color. It was cool. And so uh, all of a sudden, our brain was like, oh, that, that color teal is important, so I'm going to show that to you every time it, it shows up. All of a sudden, we weren't the, cool, the only cool people with the, the cool car. We've had this happen before. What we focus on is what grows in our mind. The farmer was focused on all that was wrong with his property until someone else came along and pointed out all that was right. We thought we were the only ones with the cool car until our brains started to notice it. What we focus on is what will grow. I know that you know that I can be an anxious person. I can often focus on all that is wrong around me. I can at times live in a scarcity mindset that is very opposite of our Christian call. I'm not supposed to focus on what I can't produce in life. I'm called to focus on what God will produce. It's, it's humbling, but it's, it's true calling of our Christian lives that we can't focus on this scarcity mindset because we will all fall into the trap of scarcity. Does anybody remember March 2020, the great toilet paper shortage? Are we not ridiculous? Why, in the midst of a surge of a respiratory illness, you know, we're dealing up here. Why did we feel the need to run to the grocery stores, to the corner markets, to the gas stations, to the anywhere that had toilet paper and buy all of it? Why? 
our scarcity mindset. It, it makes no sense. We all rushed. I remember people walking down the aisle of the store with their cameras to, to video, excuse me, record. There's no, for you young people, there used to be videos. So to record the fact that the aisles were completely clear of toilet paper. Anxiety isn't logical. Nowhere in our mind did we say, there's no reason for me to go out and hoard toilet paper. No logical part of our brain said, you're being a little bit ridiculous, right? Nobody checked us. Somebody said, they're buying all the toilet paper, and we all panicked collectively and ran. By mere suggestion, our behavior, our understandings were influenced, and our actions soon followed. See, scarcity can be a real thing. I grew up in a house that experienced some poverty. There were stretches where my dad didn't work. Scarcity was real. Hunger was real. And we would often focus on what we couldn't provide for ourselves. But looking back on it, I see what God provided. There was the farmer down the road that we bought a lot of eggs from. There were neighbors who shared their garden shares with us. While my dad was hurt and not able to work, there were organizations that stepped forward and offered to help my mom as she had three little kids at home and a husband in a hospital bed in the living room. But see, in that time of scarcity, you focus on all that you don't have rather than how God is moving. We're in a time of scarcity right now. People are having to make difficult decisions on where to spend their money. People are having to decide, to reprioritize. As the cost of living increases so greatly, we have to make choices of what we do with our money. And one of the things that is being impacted negatively by that is charitable giving. I see it, I talk to my friends who are the heads of nonprofits who are struggling with their campaign. We see it in our churches. At a time when requests for services, interventions, and support are higher, the financial support of charitable organizations has reduced, about 6.5% when compared to 2021. Scarcity is a real thing. So how do we, the church, respond? How do we, as Christians, respond? How do we model a healthy faith during times of financial stress and scarcity? How do we manage the times when scarcity isn't just a mindset, isn't just a misunderstanding, but a real condition of our lives? How do we manage when there's every reason to be anxious? When the world around us is caught up in war and discourse, disagreement and discouragement, when the news is filled with negative story after negative story, when the Christianese answer, you know, the thing that we say, don't worry, there's a plan. What's the plan, right? When, when the things that we say as Christians fall flat as they come out of our mouths because there's so much to worry about. How do we live into the words of this scripture which commands us, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear? How can you not worry when you have to make choices of what you'll buy? 
when you're hungry or when your children are hungry or thirsty? How do you not worry when there are needs? I'm not saying that we'll conquer this worry, but I'm saying that what you choose to focus on will grow. What we choose to focus on, our brains will say, oh, this is important. We need to look for this. We need to make uh, our focus on God be like the teal car, where when we look around the world, we see the God in everything instead of the bad in everything, where we see the good in things. Even if it's just a, a pinprick in the darkness, it's there. How can we, the church, tell people that they're never outside of God's sight in a time where it seems like God has left the building? When worry surrounds us and all the information coming into our minds is negative, how can we focus on what God is doing? Shouldn't it be easier for us? We're surrounded by God's work all the time. We are witness to God's word coming alive. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are participants in God's work in our communities. Are we focused on it? What you focus on will grow. We can focus on the poverty around us. Or we can choose to focus on how our churches in this parish are addressing that poverty. We can focus on the fact that we are serving lunches in this building, that the number is growing week by week as the need increases in our community. Yet God has been so generous through the sharing kitchen to help feed people. How donations continue to be received. How our blessing boxes at our other churches continue to be filled each and every week as they're emptied each and every week. Yet God is moving through God's people to make sure that they get refilled. We can focus on the children that are struggling around us as we should, but we should also make note of the foster children who are part of our Wednesday evening programming. We can focus on the meal that they share with their foster siblings together and also their siblings in Christ. We can focus on the fact that our leaders are attentive to them and have noticed that they asked if they could have one of the empty boxes for their treasure. And how our leaders, upon hearing that question, began to make plans to make sure that their focus wasn't just on an empty box, that they will get Christmas. We can focus on the fact that there is a loneliness epidemic happening right now. There's a mental health crisis happening right now. Or we can choose to focus on the loving and supportive conversations that we hear in our ministries, like off your rockers, over the kitchen in souls. We can focus on the life-giving relationships that are being born at our youth group. What you focus on will grow. We can focus on the financial needs of our church. It is not a fun time to be a church treasurer. Or we can focus on God, how God has been generous, how God has been faithful to this congregation as it enters its 200th year. 
We can focus on how God will continue to move through our people in this community, through our ministries. We can focus on the generosity of all of those who support our churches. We can praise God for the unsolicited gift that comes each week for our youth group from a person who has never set foot in our building, who saw uh, pictures of our youth group online, and who has made a recurring gift through our e-giving that is designated for our youth each week. I don't know who she is. I wouldn't know her if I met her on the street. We can focus on the friend of our church in Republic who used her crafting skills to make autumn decorations and said, sell these and all the money can just go to your church. I just wanted to use my my crafting skills to help God's house. We can focus on what we need personally or we can focus on the community that surrounds us, the community that prays for us when we're hurting, the community who calls or texts and says, what do you need? You're not alone. What you focus on will grow. We need to focus on the fact that we are indeed within God's sight. And God has responded to our need by gifting us with one another. And we can be contagiously grateful for what God is doing in our faith communities. And we can talk about it. See, that's what we can do for the community around us. I'm not a good flyer. I don't like airplanes. I like flying. It's the idea of crashing that I'm not so hip with. Not a great flyer. I'm nervous. So I watch the flight attendants. As long as they're cool, I'm cool, right? As long as they're up serving beverages, as long as they're joking, we're good. We need to be the flight attendants of our world. We need people to look at us and go, why aren't they panicking? It's a mess out here. Why aren't they freaking out? Why aren't they running around like Chicken Little? The sky is falling, oh, we're all gonna die. Because God. Because God. We can be the church in these times, sharing our resources with one another, helping to feed body, soul, and mind. What worries you? What needs do you have? What you focus on will grow. We're always going to have worries. We're always gonna have needs and sometimes we're gonna have unmet needs. But if that's what we focus on, that's all that will consume us. We need to lean into the words of this scripture telling us, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries for tomorrow. We've got worries today. And then we need to be people of action. After you acknowledge what worries you, take a piece of paper and write all the things that you're grateful for. Every single stinking thing. Everything. See, gratitude changes your brain. All those synapses that are happening up there, gratitude changes those. And gratitude won't make your worries go away, but it'll shift your attitude because what you focus on will grow. Make a list of what you're seeing God do. Gratitude opens up to possibility. Worry closes us up, draws us inward. Gratitude changes our focus. Gratitude helps us to give thanks in all circumstances. 
and know that you are part of God's family and you are part of this faith community. And oftentimes God responds to your needs and your worries through one of your brothers or sisters in the faith. Being the pastor of a small church, which in, in the United States is considered a church under 200, 250, is considered a small church pastor. Being the pastor of a small church comes with a, a unique set of frustrations. I'm a big dreamer. Uh, pastor Amy's a big dreamer. We have big dreamers in our congregations. We often don't have the resources to match our dreams, right? That doesn't stop us from dreaming. And especially in this time period in our country where denominational churches are struggling, and there's been strife even within our own United Methodist Church, we continue to dream big. Someone in one of our meetings around charge conference time when we're doing all that lovely paperwork, somebody said, does anybody even pay attention to these things? And I, in my United Methodist best, said, yes, they do. They care about what we're doing at the local church level. This isn't just ink on paper. This is dreams placed before the throne of God. So today... In the way of announcements, Pastor Amy and I are proud to announce that our parish, the Five Points Parish, has been awarded a grant through the East Ohio Conference. We took the dreams, the ink on paper that you put down for your parish. I took your words that we shared at our vision meeting where we talked about trying to find a way to engage uh, different age groups across our Parish, where we talked about how many uh, musicians, gifted musicians we have within our parish, how we'd like to host people of all ages here. And within our grant, I, I asked for a new program called Community on Stage. Pastor Amy took the words of her churches and, that dreamed of the bridge, which is uh, a celebrate recovery program. We took the words of Republic who sees a very disheartened community who wanted to have a community Bible study and have community positivity events with no strings attached, just come and be glad. We took all of your dreams and we placed them in this grant application. The East Ohio Conference has awarded us a three-year grant of $218,000. for specified programming and ministries in our context. And if we meet certain benchmarks, they've invited us to apply again for future funding, and they've said, we know we'll fund two more years. The conference has been extremely supportive of our cooperative parish. They believe in the local church. They believe in our local churches. They believe in what we're doing as we're taking up the work that Jesus Christ has left for us. To say that we are excited would be an understatement. They believe what we believe that we're better together and that we're making a difference in the Seneca and Wyandotte County area. And for those of you who want all the details, I promise they're coming. 
In the next several weeks, Pastor Amy and I will reach out as we begin to make plans for uh, the use of these designated grant funds. But in the meantime, take a moment to praise God that God remains faithful to us, that in the midst of these times where we're worrying about programming and how we're going to make these things work, God says, if I worry about the birds of the air, do you think you're outside of my sight? And so uh, pat yourselves on the back because we used your goals, your words that were established during uh, annual conference time as well as the ideas that you've all shared with us as a basis for our application. And we are so grateful to be in ministry with you. And all God's people said, amen and hallelujah. So we're going to take a moment and have